Good morning. So today and the next Sunday, we're going to do some important uh, Bible study. Yes, it'll be short, uh, but I hope you'll be able to pull out a notepad, a pen, and open up your Bible. And we're going to be learning about the Holy Spirit. You know, for the last few years, I had been feeling and sensing um, that we need to emphasize on the person and the work and the role and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives personally and even as a church. And that's precisely why if you've been part of a life group, then you've obviously uh, been aware that we've been pursuing a study, a series on the Holy Spirit. Um, last year, we started a, a book on uh, basically the Holy Spirit's presence, his Lordship and his work and how we can fellowship with him personally. And uh, this year, uh, we are excited to start an entire series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, what I want to really do is, before I actually zoom in to teaching and speaking on the Holy Spirit, uh, today, I will be actually approaching this topic from the very important doctrine of the Trinity. So what I hope to do is that today talk about the triune God, you know, the Trinity, the Godhead, uh, one God, but three persons. And um, after I have uh, established that for us, what we will do is the, the following Sunday uh, or the following Sunday when I speak, I will actually be speaking on the, uh, on the person of the Holy Spirit, his role and his work uh, and his precious ministry in our life. And what he, what does the Holy Spirit really do in us and for us and with us? And um, uh, I, I believe that if you've been part of the life group, uh, then last year you've been uh, immensely blessed as we have done a detailed study on the Holy Spirit. And this year we're going to be doing a detailed study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, I must... Um, I share this with you with great joy um, about my experience uh, with the Holy Spirit that happened uh, 29 years ago. But before I do that, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful morning again. Thank you for the gift of our gathering. Uh, Lord, we look forward to gathering physically soon as you make a way for us and provide the place for us and prepare all the requirements for it. But even so, I pray that you would help us to make the best of the moments we have now together, uh, even right now. Uh, all who are participating, all who are listening right now, uh, Lord, I pray your blessing over uh, them, oh God. And the, the greatest blessing I pray for right now is that we would have a renewed, uh, Lord, relationship, a closeness with the person of the Holy Spirit, even as we're going to teach on the Holy Spirit and speak about the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence, your work uh, in our lives would become more real, God. And uh, I know, Holy Spirit, that always you exalt Jesus and Jesus, you always exalt the Father. So may that happen, uh, Lord, as we uh, seek you in your word. We come at this time into your hands. Be glorified, Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so, as I mentioned, 
I'm going to be approaching uh, uh, this topic of the Holy Spirit by first talking about uh, the Trinity. You know, from scripture, we understand that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have eternally existed as three distinct persons, but there is only one God. Now, this is called the doctrine of the Trinity. You know, the idea of three persons and only one God is difficult to understand completely. Even so, it is one of the most important ideas of the Christian faith. The word Trinity is never found in the Bible, but the idea represented by the word is affirmed in many places. For example, when Jesus was baptized, you know, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, 16 to 17. You know, these passages of scriptures are important because they help us put together uh, a case and a basis for the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity is the most important doctrine of the Christian faith. And so when we look at this verse uh, or this passage in Matthew 3, 16 to 17, what we see is that at that moment when Jesus was standing in the waters of the river Jordan, you know, all the three members of the Trinity were performing distinct activities. To be specific, God the Father was speaking what he uh, declared upon his son. God the Son was being baptized as he stood in the waters. And God the Holy Spirit came resting upon him in the form of a dove. Now, similarly, when Jesus sent his disciples out to do their work, he commanded them to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Now, in saying this and giving such a clear command, Jesus is affirming that all three members of the Trinity, the triune God, are distinct in their personhood. What I mean by that is that the Father can't be the Son. The Son is not the Father. And uh, the Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. You know, in Jude 20, 21, in his epistle, he also affirms the three distinct persons in the Trinity. He says this, pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's beautiful to see how in scripture, God has repeatedly helped us see and has emphasized the Trinity. Because God is three distinct persons. The Father is not the Son, as I mentioned, I'm repeating, nor or the Holy Spirit. The Son is not the Father or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father or Son. Each of the persons of the Trinity is fully God. God the Father's deity is shown from the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And throughout the pages of scripture, when the Bible refers simply to God, 
more often than not, it is referring to God, the father. But God, the son who came to earth as Jesus Christ is also fully God. As the apostle Paul writes of Jesus in Colossians 2.9, one of the very important verses in Christology. In him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Therefore, Jesus' disciple Thomas was correct when he exclaimed in awe, when he said to Jesus after his resurrection, John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. In fact, John said he wrote his gospel so that people would believe that Jesus is Christ, the son of God, John 20, 31. So that is what we have spoken about God the Father, God the Son, and finally God the Holy Spirit is also fully God. Because both the Father and Son are God, it makes sense that all three are mentioned with equal importance in passages like what we read earlier in Matthew 28, 19. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometime back, uh, a few years back, we actually were doing a water baptism service and we had a couple of guys who had been, if I may use the word, hopping from a cult. And uh, we had given them time. We had, you know, uh, shown them grace and kindness. And we were wanting to reason out with them on the basis of scriptures um, that God is a triune God. They came from a cult that uh, was very clear that there is no trinity that God is only one person. And uh, it, it was kind of tricky. And I felt that it was not right that on the day of the water baptism, one of them walks up to me and actually says that, um, uh, Shannon, I want to be baptized only in the name of Jesus. I said, no, I can't do that. Because the Bible is explicitly clear in Matthew 28, 19. And there are other verses also in the New Testament that explicitly state that I, I have to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that is a command from God. And that is a command that we believe. We believe from the entire meta-narrative of Scripture, right from Genesis to Revelation, that God is a triune God. He's one God, but in three distinct persons. And so, unfortunately, uh, the young man, uh, you know, couldn't answer my question and answer what I'd stated uh, but he chose not to be um, baptized, you know. So this indicates that, you know, we need to value doctrine because what we believe is what we live. So when we look at scripture, scripture views all three as fully God. Peter confirms this view when he accuses someone of lying, talking about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 5. Verse 3, you know, that, that very uh, difficult but important passage where Ananias and Sapphira lie about what they actually gave uh, to the church after selling off their property. And they give the appearance that they've actually given everything. And Peter says to them uh, in Acts 5.3 that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and then further explains that this man has not, not lied to men but to God. In other words, lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God because the Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit, Paul says, is omniscient like God the Father when he writes, no one 
comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. First Corinthians two eleven. So, beloved, these these verses that I've brought to you are of absolute importance in the context that I've brought to you about the Trinity. I want to ask you if you would meet a Muslim today who uh, considers um, or actually accuses Christians of of us having three gods, how would you be able to reason out with them from scripture? Are your concepts clear enough? And would you be able to then further engage that person and be able to present the gospel to them clearly? Or what if you met somebody who's from a cult like the Jehovah's Witness or a Jesus only? Would you be able to lovingly, humbly, yet very clearly be able to help them understand the best that you can, the best that we can about the Trinity? It's impossible to receive salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ without fully understanding and appreciating the work of the Trinity, the work of the triune God uh, in our work of salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the one who makes that word and work clear and real in our lives is the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, conversely, the Bible is also clear that there is only one God and not three. The Bible says that God is only one in essence or one in being. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, the Lord is one, the Shema. God frequently echoes the statement when he speaks, making it clear that there is no other God but him. Isaiah 45 verse 5 is one example of this. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Paul affirms this in Romans 3.30 when he writes, God is one. And again in 1 Timothy when he writes, there is one God. In James 2.19, we find that even the demons acknowledge this. You believe that God is one? You do well, James writes, even the demons believe and shudder. You know, beloved, at times it can seem difficult to understand how there are three distinct persons of the Trinity, each with the whole being of God in himself, even though there is only one God. The Trinity is one of those mysteries we can only describe in part but we should be able to describe that part well enough for the hearers who right now probably oppose us. We should be able to lovingly communicate with them clearly and be able to bring them to the understanding of the gospel that will lead to salvation. Uh, in, to, in 2020, uh, we actually pursued a series on uh, basic systematic theology uh, from Wayne Grudem's textbook. And, and I believe that if you were part of the live group, you would have been blessed uh, by going through it. It made a lot of things clear. And one of the topics was about the Trinity. So beloved, I'm going to be sending the notes immediately after the service. I want you to go through it. I want you to look at those passages that I mentioned. A lot of verses I've quoted right now, but they are uh, very important, beloved. If you still have questions, get in touch with your pastors, get in touch with the live group leaders. Be able to share your questions, discuss, come to a firmer, uh, a better understanding 
of these doctrines and a firmer grip on what you believe because what you believe is what you live. Now I'm going to introduce uh, the subject of the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned earlier at the start, I want to begin by actually sharing my experience on the person of the Holy Spirit. Coming from a Roman Catholic background, I was aware of the doctrine of the Trinity. You know, we would say that, we quote that quite often in, our, in the liturgy. Uh, we would sing that in the hymns. Uh, so I was aware of the doctrine of the Trinity, but I probably didn't give if not any, much thought um, to the person of the Holy Spirit. And it was 93, uh, just after the Lord had saved me, I was reading a book uh, on the Holy Spirit. And I still remember, I think it was early evening, late afternoon, early evening, as I picked up that book and read the first page, something powerful happened, something that I, had, I obviously didn't expect even but something amazing happened. I felt the presence of God come upon me so tangibly, so real. It filled my heart with a kind of joy uh, uh, in quality and quantity that I had never experienced before in my life. So overwhelming was that experience that I actually dropped that book and I walked out of the house because I thought I was going to burst out in ecstatic laughter um, and I began to praise God. I, I walked out of the road, um, you know, on the, on the link road, which now is filled with malls and, and traffic and, and uh, all the noise. But in those days, 29 years back, it was pretty quiet and there wasn't much crowd. And I began to just praise God. I began to worship God. I began to thank him. And that was my first experience of the Holy Spirit. Now, mind you, I'm just probably a couple of months in the faith. And here's one thing I want to help us understand and be rested in this, that God loves you, beloved, and God protects you. God protects his children. And so many times you will have experiences in God that you, you may not be able to articulate the theology of it. So, uh, you know, don't, don't let that scare you. Remember Jesus saying this, and we, we're going to look at that, that if any of you ask of the Father for good gifts, and if any of you ask for the Father, for the Holy Spirit, he will not give you bad gifts. He, he, will, not, he will not disappoint you. And so I was so hungry for God. I was so thirsty for God that God granted me. He blessed me with that beautiful experience where the person of the Holy Spirit in a moment became more real to me than anything in my life. I realized that God was real. I realized that God wanted to come and be with me. God wanted to uh, enjoy my, my, my feeble attempts to love him and express my devotion to him. And he wanted to fill me with his joy and with his peace and with his presence. And, and, and that changed everything. From that moment, my entire uh, life changed. You know, I realized that God who created the heavens and the earth wants to walk into a room. And how does he do that? He does that by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so what I'm sharing with you right now is, 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 is scripture and is real. And I want you to understand this further to this. Even when experience precedes scripture, that doesn't mean we should reject scripture or, or devalue scripture because eventually you need to bring a theological undergirding to your experiences. If you value the presence of God, if you value the voice of God, you must equally value scripture. 
and uh, otherwise you or, or that person who does not value scripture will position themselves where they become vulnerable to error and to deception that can even rob them of their salvation. So, so be founded on the unshakable, incorruptible, immovable foundation of God's word. Thank God that God sovereignly uh, at times will bless you with experiences uh, before you've understood from the scripture uh, what, what really happened. So the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going to introduce um, uh, the doctrine and then we will continue uh, from the next Sunday. You know, the Lord Jesus right now, if somebody was to ask you, where is Jesus right now? Where well, it's pretty clear in scripture, Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord, your Savior and Lord is at the right hand of the Father. Now we understand that God is omni potent, almighty. God is omni-seeing. Uh, uh, he's all-knowing and he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. But for us to understand, <coughs> you know, positionally, functionally, um, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And who's on earth executing the will of the Father uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is the Holy Spirit. Who's the one who's, who's drawing the hearts of all men and women unto Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. So everything that's happening on planet earth that is connected with the kingdom of God is being done by the Holy Spirit. That is precisely why I believe in the last couple of years and probably a little more than that, I've just been feeling the strong emphasis about studying and teaching on the Holy Spirit. That's why if you remember on Jan 24th and 25th of 2020, we actually had a school on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit where we had Pastor Basil come and do two evenings with us. So, you know, it's been since then, in fact, a little more than then, that I've been feeling the stirring. So let us respond when God is emphasizing something on our hearts at, at a given time. So it is the Holy Spirit given, prayed by Jesus, sent by the Father to abide with and in us. And we see the Trinity here again. Look at, look at John 14, 16, 17. This is explicitly clear. You see um, the, the triune God here, and you also see uh, the clarity of the Holy Spirit being with us. Jesus is praying or saying to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and, we will, and will be in you. Wow. Shannon is not an orphan. You are not an orphan because God the Father has sent his spirit to be with you and in you. You are never alone. You may feel lonely. That's another matter. But you are never alone, literally. God is always with you, in you. The closest person with you is the one who abides in you. And that is the Holy Spirit. You know, the, you, you've heard of the Apostles' Creed, right? I believe in God, the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God. And the eighth statement of the Apostles' Creed says this, 
I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, as I mentioned earlier, co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. So when Jesus took on human flesh and lived on earth, the Holy Spirit was absolutely central in Jesus's life. I repeat that statement because this is what is the model for us because Jesus is the perfect model for us to live. No one else. When Jesus took on human flesh and lived on earth, the Holy Spirit was absolutely central in Jesus's life. Jesus lived completely dependent on the Holy Spirit from his conception to his growing years, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus has set the gold standard of a spirit-filled life for us to follow and imitate. What did the angel Gabriel respond when Mary asked the angel Gabriel, how shall this be? And angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So from the very, the entire incarnation, God becoming man, flesh in flesh, in human form, from the very conception to his entire life, ministry, sacrifices, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, everything, his entire ministry, his teaching, his miracles, Everything he did, casting out demons, healing people, everything he did, walked on water, food, food being multiplied, everything that Jesus did was in the Holy Spirit. And that is the standard for you and me, that everything we do ought to be in the Holy Spirit. We can do things outside of the Holy Spirit, but it'll have no life in it. It'll have no endorsement of God. It will not usher in anything, not even a gram of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is ushered in, is expanded, is extended and established only and only in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need the Holy Spirit every day. The next time we utter, I believe in the Holy Spirit, let it be a genuine cry from our hearts for more of his presence and power in our lives. So beloved, you know, today I want to encourage you. You know, maybe you've been in a, a season of your life where you've gone through dryness. Maybe you've been through a season of your life where you've even felt weak. You felt away from God. But I want to encourage you because you and I are not without help. You know, just think about it. Of all the words or the terms that Jesus could use for the Holy Spirit, he chose two very specific ones in relationship to us. Comforter and helper. I want to leave you on that note. Comforter and helper. You know, he could have called him empowerer. He could have called him, you know, something else. But he chose two very tender, encouraging terms for his disciples, for his children, for you and me. 
comforter. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He wants to be your comforter today. He wants to be your comforter right now. He wants to be my helper. He wants to be your helper. Would you invite the Holy Spirit who is right now with you and give him complete control of your life and your situation? He's actually saying right now to you, son and daughter, I don't want you to do this on your own. I never intended. I never asked you to do anything for me on your own strength. The reason you're tired is because you've been using your strength. I want you to live this life that I gifted you by my presence, by my power. I want you to do my ministry with my power. You know, why did you run to get that bread with, without any money? When I send you to get bread, I will pay for it. I didn't ask you to take those life groups in your strength. I didn't ask you to preach the gospel in your strength. I didn't ask you to parent your child in your strength. I didn't ask, expect you to go even to your workplace in your own strength. I want to supply you with the wisdom, the anointing, and the power to live this life. Because the one who's in you is, the, is greater than the one who's in the world. The Holy Spirit is your and my helper. You know, beloved, if we catch this, our entire life is going to change right now. Because we begin to then live our life, not in our strength, but in the strength of God. And we don't even know. We can't, we can't even comprehend what that means. That doesn't mean less of trials and testings or temptations. It simply means this, that you and I will be an overcomer you know, that nothing will keep us away from the love and the presence of God. And that we will be able to pursue an increasing life of faith and obedience, irrespective of the challenges we face. We will have the joy of knowing Jesus and becoming like Jesus and fulfilling his purpose in our lives. The Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter and your helper. But more on this, the following uh, next week, when I begin to take us more deeper on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Wow. Would you pray with me right now? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, just like me, there would be many on this, on this online service or even those who are hearing this message afterwards who can... Uh, Remember with gratitude the day when you first touched them, the day when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, when they spoke in tongues, or they fell in the power of the Holy Spirit, or they were just overcome and overwhelmed with your joy and your power, Lord. And what a day it was, and what a season in our life it was, God. So much hunger, so much thirst for you, so much worship, so much prayer, so much zeal for you, God, so much reading of the word. Such simple childlike obedience. And it seems like the years and the days have, and the, and, the, and the issues of life have kind of wearied us down as we forgot that we were called to live this life in, in being in your presence. So I say, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Fill us with your presence and your power, God. Do it again. Fill us anew. Fill us anew. Lord, we want to experience 
what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit again. And I know, Lord, that the key is surrender. That we surrender our lives to you, Jesus. And I pray that you'd help us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to not hold back. Do not try and be in charge of our lives, but to surrender our lives to you completely so that you can do the will of the Father in us, with us, and through us, with no resistance from us. Have your way, Lord, we say. Have your way. Flow through us. Breathe in and breathe out through us. Live through us, God. Let the Father be glorified. Let Christ be formed in us. Let Christ be seen in us. Fill your people even right now, Lord, even as hands are lifted up during this service right now, God, as people are praying, I pray, fill anew, Lord. Pour out your presence. Pour out your anointing. Break yokes right now. Fill us with your presence and your power. Oh, Lord, welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We say welcome. Could you just say welcome, Holy Spirit, wherever you are? Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome you, Lord, in my life. Welcome you in my family. Welcome you in my situations where I'm desperate. I welcome you where I'm struggling with sin, God. I welcome you, God, in my lowest moments and my darkest places in my life. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come have your way. Come have your way. Come have your way. Come have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.